Have you ever had anyone keep on asking you for something? Do any of you have kids or ever had them? I mean, my son right now, and he's probably watching, has been on us for about three months for a new computer. We got one last August, but it's not good enough. Because in order to do homework and do it properly, just kidding, in order to do gaming, (laughs) it doesn't have the right components. Because dad didn't check on how a computer should really work for gaming. And so Parker, who's probably watching right now, when I come home, will probably say, have you and mom talked about getting the new computer yet? When are you going to get it? When is it going to come? Can I borrow some money to help make up from what I have and what I don't have? Are you going to get it for me? He is persistent in asking for a new computer. Anybody else ever experienced anything like that? Let's be honest. Yeah, okay, good. Oh, yes. I told the Saturday night service last night, some of you might be watching, because I said, tune in, because I'll let you know if it was the first thing he asked for, and it was. And it'll probably be when I go home today, too. But I do admire, oh, I'm almost dreading saying this, his persistence. Because he doesn't stop asking. And today, in the parable of the persistent widow, we are looking at, you just heard Dave read it, about this widow who kept going up against the unjust judge. And finally, the judge gave in because what? She was bothering him continually. And he gave in and granted her wish. Now, if you want to follow along in your sermon outline, it's in in your bulletin on the inside part of your bulletin. Those of you watching online, I think there's a digital version that you can see there as well. But let's just take a look at this parable a little bit today and see how it can apply to our life. What are the truths we can learn from it in order to grow in our relationship with God and grow deeper in our relationship with Christ to grow as he would have us grow? So the first couple things I want to say, two things of note. God is not like the judge in the parable, all right? And the persistence of the widow is to be admired. There's no question about that. No question about that. And Jesus, in the very first verse of of this parable that's recorded, Jesus tells his disciples, uh, as we've been talking about these parables, their stories in order to teach spiritual truths, Jesus says, He told his disciples a story about how they should keep on praying, keep on praying, keep on praying, and never give up. If you were lucky, I would stop there, and you'd have everything you need to know from this parable. Keep on praying and never give up. So the question gets to be, why should we pray persistently? Why should you pray persistently? And that's something that we just want to talk about this morning. And I I pray that your heart would just be open to this because it isn't a message just for you. It's a message for me. It's a message for all of us. That there's power in persistent prayer. And why should we pray persistently? If we're honest, if I'm honest, I would say that most of us are not persistent prayers. 
and that most of the time our prayers in our life are more like um, looking to Amazon in the sky for that request that we'd like delivered as soon as possible. Are you tracking with me? Dear God, I need this now. And does it always work like that? No. No, it doesn't. So many times it's, you know, Lord, I just need a new car. Lord, I just need a new house. Or I need a different job, or I need this. And we might shoot it up there, and it's there for a second, and then we're on to something else. That's not persistent prayer. It's not what Jesus is talking about. It's not what he's trying to teach his disciples to do and what he's asking us to do as well. Why should you pray persistently? The first reason is persistent prayer keeps your attention, my attention, focused on God. Do you really think God needs the information that you're giving him? Does he? He already knows, right? This isn't a surprise when we lift up our petitions to him. Like, oh my goodness, I didn't know Scott needed that. That's not how it works. Persistent prayer, though, the, the, the kind of prayer that Jesus is talking about is the kind of prayer that gets the attention, what, off of us and onto God. It starts to open up that conduit, if you will, between us and God that can't come without persistent prayer. Because if we just see God as kind of an ordering entity in the sky, there's no relationship there. It's just, you know, Amazon. Persistent prayer keeps my attention focused on God. That's what prayer does. It's, it's not giving God information. It's opening ourselves up to be in relationship with him, in communication with him, hopefully taking some time to listen as well and not just talk, but the talking is fine. But to be open to what he has to say to us. Look what David said in the 25th Psalm. My eyes are what? Continually looking to the Lord for help. Continually looking to the Lord for help. Persistently looking to the Lord for help, David said. And then in Psalm 105, he says, Look to the Lord in his strength and seek his face when? Constantly. Constantly. Now, how do you do that? Paul says in the New Testament that we should pray without ceasing. I mean, are we supposed to be on our knees 24 hours a day? No. But it's an attitude of prayer. It's to have that spirit of prayer, to be able to be in connection with and in communion with God persistently and continually and constantly so that when things are happening around us or we see people in need, that we can lift up that prayer. We can lift it up to God. We can see others and go, you know, Lord... Be with Cece and her mom, as we've been praying for your mom. Or, I know a thought comes into my mind, and I'm thinking about Charlie's grandpa, who can't be here today because Dale's in the hospital. And, dear Lord, be with Dale and bring healing to him. Something comes to my mind, you know, 
and just to be lifting it up to him, to constantly seek his face. And that's what persistent prayer is like. I'm not, I'm better at it now than I was, but I'm certainly not where I should be. But what it does is just help us to grow, as I said, in that relationship with God, to be in communion with him, to be reminded of his grace and of his love. Because there's a lot of crap going on in the world, isn't there? Am I supposed to say that in church? That's better than alternatives. Um, I mean, how do we face it all without God? But we do it with God and we stay in touch with him through persistent prayer. Persistent prayer teaches me things about myself as well. And one of the things it teaches is it uncovers my true desires. What do I really want? If you're praying something persistently, it's a desire of your heart. If there's nothing you're praying persistently about, then your desires, who knows? But I mean, do I pray persistently about material things that I want? No, I don't. My chances are most of you don't either. I mean, most of us have what we need, right? But if you look at the prayer list that's in your bulletin, and it's there every week, um, look at what people list there. I think these are getting at some of those desires of the heart. What are, what are people listing and asking us to pray for? It's for relationships. It's for healing. It's for health. It's for people in who are grieving and going through a difficult time with grief. It's for people who have upcoming surgeries and things like that, right? And that's starting to get at those deeper desires of the heart where we care about people, we care about our family, we care about our loved ones, and we're bringing that to God. Persistent prayer uncovers our true desires of what we really want. Because probably what we really want isn't what we think we want. Does that make sense? Dear Lord, I just want the newest iPad or iPhone. Dear Lord, yeah. Persistent prayer uncovers your true desires. Think about that. Think about what you pray a lot about. That's starting to get at it. Paul, or excuse me, David again in Psalm 37 says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you what? The desires of your heart. The true desires of your heart. Persistent prayer also points out your priorities, what's most important to you. I was listening to Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Church talk about this. And I'm going to report what he said, and I I, I think I agree with him. It kind of took me back a little bit, but he said, what you worry about is what's most important to you. What you worry about is what's most important to you. Think about that. What do you worry about? Persistent prayer shows what is most important to you. These are some tough words coming up, okay? But we've got to talk about it. Matthew 6, 32, Jesus is saying to his followers, read it with me. Why be like unbelievers who worry about everything? 
Your, together, your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, and he will give you all you need if your first concern is to live for his kingdom. Hmm. I am not standing before you saying that I don't worry about anything. I am not saying that. But when I heard him say that, it made me think, okay, what do I worry about? And what does that tell me about myself? And maybe then I need to ask the question, where do I need some correction? Where do I need some growing? Where do I need to readjust things? And that's what persistent prayer can do. Because it's giving God an opportunity to be at work in our lives. Rick Warren said this too, and I like it. While we are working on praying, God is working on us. When you're opening yourself up to God in prayer, you're giving God an opportunity to work on you, to help you look at those desires in your life, to look at what you worry about, to take all of those things, and for him to mold you, form you, and grow you, and encourage you, right? Does he want good things for you? Yeah, right? He's our heavenly father who wants all good things for us. He wants to grant the desires of our heart. He wants that for us. While we're working on praying, God is working on us. What do you worry about? What's important to you? What are your desires? I interviewed a young couple from our congregation because I knew that they had been persistent prayers about something that was a desire of their heart. Something that was very important to them. And I'd like you to hear Jose and Kristen talk about that now. My name is Jose Zelaya and this is Kristen Zelaya. And I was told all my life that I couldn't have kids. But with the power of prayer and God and those support supporters around us and my beautiful, beautiful wife, we're able to have a miracle child. What were the odds? I mean, what were the doctors telling you? Well, initially we were told less than a 1% chance that we could conceive together, that we could have a child of our own. Less than 1%? Less than a 1% chance. Because uh, we both had some underlying issues. And, but we, when we met with our doctor for the first time, he was a believer. And he said, if we're gonna do this, I'm the right doctor for you. And we knew we were in good hands at that point. So we, we moved forward with it and um, we got into the process and we had a lot of bumps in the road. We were told multiple times that we would need um, that either either of us wouldn't be able to uh, wouldn't be able to conceive that my eggs weren't good enough um, that um, we would need a donor we would need a donor um, either an egg donor or sperm donor and um, but we um, we trusted in God and we knew that he was going to be able to provide for the one thing that uh, 
I have never been able to do. And I think that's just because I put God first in our home. And uh, that's the one thing that I told him that I promised that the next person that I come with, I'd like unfading love and promise to put him first. And that's exactly what I've done. And I think that that's why we were blessed with yeah. a beautiful miracle baby girl. You know, and we, we wouldn't have been able to do it on our own. We were very vocal and very open about our um, journey, our infertility journey. And it affects, it affects one in eight families, uh, infertility does. And so we were very vocal and we, we let our friends and our family and our faith family, our church family, all of our friends know what was going on every step of the way in this journey. We let them know of the highs and the lows and everybody was praying for us. Everybody was praying for us through the highs and the lows and they celebrated in our joys and in our sadness on part of this journey. And, and I really believe that that us being open and vulnerable, that this isn't an easy process. Us being an open and vulnerable with our friends and our family and having our prayer warriors, I really truly believe God was with us and surrounding us because of all of our all of our prayer warriors and and I really don't know that we would have gotten through it and been as strong as we were um, you know IVF isn't easy and it's emotional um, when we found out we had one egg make it to blastocyst we had one embryo make it to blastocyst our doctor told us that um, she had a, um, it was a girl and she had a chromosomal deficiency and she was, it was called a monosomy 13 mosaic embryo. At that point, our doctor told us she had a 10% chance of surviving. So there was a 1% chance to even get pregnant, to get pregnant and then a 10% chance, chance of surviving. 10% chance mm -hmm, of survival once, once they put her in and uh, we kept our faith. We did. And lots of prayer. A lot of prayer. A lot of prayer. So when Charlie was born. Yeah. What were you feeling? Uh, our miracle just happened. Uh, I can't tell you the amount of prayer, the amount of tears, the amount of joy, the, um, the love that she brings to our life, to our family. She completed our family. Yeah. And God, yet again, provided another miracle. Um, thank you for sharing that so much. You hear how important prayer was? It was critical. They were persistent in their prayer. My wife and I kind of experienced the same thing. We were persistent in prayer too, and in vitro didn't work for us. But God had another plan, and that was called adoption. And um, Parker's birth mom was in Washington, D.C., Flew out here, was the only thing she did wrong during her pregnancy, and then went into labor. And we weren't even the first on the list, but God knew what was going on and how to connect things. And so I, I like to say, forgive me, birth mom was from Washington, D.C. He's the best thing to come out of Washington. In the last 14 years, so that covers all administrations. So, but but the the prayers were there, right? 
it was just not the answer we thought. Do all of the prayers we pray get answered the way we think? No. Some answers are no, but it's an answer. Right? Because we believe that God knows what's best. Sometimes the answers grow. In other words, you're not ready yet. Sometimes the answer's slow. You need to wait. You need to wait. And then sometimes the answer's go. It's yeah. It's now. No, grow, slow, go. Earlier in Luke's gospel, in the 11th chapter, there's a similar parable, okay? It's a parable about a persistent friend, And Jesus, towards the end of that, says this, So I say to you, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking persistently receives, and he who keeps on seeking persistently finds, and to him who keeps on knocking persistently, the door will be opened. In this parable today, It says, think about what the crooked judge said. Think about that. This was a judge who didn't fear God or care about people. It says that in verse 2. And then Jesus says, won't God protect his chosen ones, you, who pray to him day and night? Won't he be concerned for them? What's the answer? Yes, he will. Won't he protect you? Yes, He will surely, he surely will, and he will help them. Jesus said at the beginning, read it with me, always keep on praying and never give up. Always keep on praying and never give up. Be persistent in your prayer, and you'll see miracles happen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray right now for people in this room, for people who are watching on Facebook or YouTube. Lord, I pray for them. I pray that we as your people, not just individuals, but as your people, as this church that we call Good Samaritan, that we would be persistent in our prayers. We know that you know what we need. But Lord, you're going to use those persistent prayers to grow us because maybe right now we're not ready for the answer we want. You're going to use those prayers to help us to see what really is important and what our desire should really be. And Lord, through all of that, we're going to be blessed. Help us to have the faith to believe that. Help us to be constant in our prayer, to be persistent in our prayer. Help us to always pray and never give up. Because Lord, there are a lot of people, ourselves included, that need prayer. Help us be prayer warriors for all people. And we pray in your name. Amen.